Hello and welcome to Creativity Time. I'm Anya. I'm Katie. And we are your hosts. Today's guest is Nita Tyndall. Nita is a North Carolina-based YA writer and the founder of Queer Girl Cafe. She's also a passionate advocate for vinegar-based barbecue. So thank you very much for joining us. What tea or beverage is everyone drinking this fine evening? Um, I'm actually drinking a hard apple cider. So, <laughs> and water because hydration is important. Katie, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Arizona Southern style real brewed sweet tea that I got at the gas station Ooh, when I, I went. If I went and bought a gallon of ice cream, and then I bought this so I'd have a tea for the podcast. I wonder if it's authentic. No, it's, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It tastes like every other sweet tea you get in a gas station. It, it has high fructose corn syrup in it. Oh. It's not even, like, can you even call it sweet tea then? Like, isn't no. sweet tea, like, strictly <laughs> sugar? Yes, it yeah. is. I have a gin and tonic because it's too damn hot. and But I also have uh, homemade kombucha because I just made my first batch. And so it is tea. It's fermented tea. So, ah, tea. How but, is it? Um, it's, it's a little flat, but besides that, it's pretty good. I uh, flavored it with berries. I'm just very proud of my kombucha. So, <laughs> so Nita, uh, when did you know that you wanted to pursue creative endeavors? Um, hmm, that's a good question. So I started like writing when I was a kid. I think the first thing I wrote was Kabuki fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> And it was, like, on my mom's really old compact computer, and it was in all caps and pink font. Pretty sure I still have it around somewhere. I should frame it. But uh, So I was writing all through high school, and I wrote, like, books during class and stuff when I was supposed to not be writing books. Um, and after that, I kind of stopped writing my first couple of years of college because I changed majors. I was an interpreting major for sign language and then realized I don't think um, it's the right time to do this right now. So I switched to an English major and then realized, OK, yeah, writing is kind of what I want to do with my life. So would you say that you got pretty serious about writing in college then or like when did when was that point where you were like, this is what I want to do? So I kind of had that. In high school, I went actually went to a special writing camp at Duke University, and I'm actually going back there to teach this summer, so it's like I've come oh, cool. full so circle. Cool. Yeah, Duke um, Creative Writers Workshop. So, And that was, it was for like serious writers. I don't know why I just did air quotes. It really was for <laughs> serious writers. But like serious in the high school sense, I guess, and yeah. like we were trying to get published and stuff. And then uh, my sophomore year of college, I started looking for an agent um, so I could actually start that path to publication. And I think that's when I realized, okay, this is something I'm actually serious about and it's not just a hobby. Mm -hmm. And you are agented, right? I am agented. Yes, I am. Ooh. Yep. Um, my agent is Emily Keys with Pews Literary and she's really wonderful. So. Nice. Was it really difficult to get an agent? I don't know. So I don't know a bunch about like the agent finding <laughs> process. So, so yeah, it was because, okay, the agent finding process is like you send out a query letter, which is basically a pitch for like a little, like the kind of the blurb on the back of the book thing, like that short summary, you kind of send out that to agents. And if they're interested, they'll request either like part of your manuscript or your entire manuscript. 
Um, and then from there, if they like it, they'll offer you representation, yada, yada. Um, so I actually started querying my first novel probably before I should have. I don't think it was ready, but Emily actually offered to do revisions with me, and then I could send it to her again, which is called a revise and resubmit. Um, and we actually did three of those before I signed with her. So over the course of the year, we did three different revisions, which is kind of atypical. Most agents, I don't think, would do that many revisions mm-hmm. without um, before signing you as a client. But I was lucky she was willing to work with me. But overall, I actually um, sent about 75 query letters before Ooh. I got Emily. So yeah, it's a... It's a long process. It helps to have kind of other writers who are at the same stage mm-hmm. you are, so you can all like commiserate about rejection together. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's it's nerve wracking, but it, you get yeah. you get used to it after a while. I think. So, how would you say that process of working with your agent, like the revising process, what did that teach you, and like how did that change your process or your just approach, if it did at all? So it kind of taught me that I'm not a giant fan of revising. <laughs> like, but it's, it's one of those things where it's a necessary evil. But for me, I always underwrite my first drafts. So like my first drafts are maybe about three quarters of the word count. They need to be. So in revisions for me, like other writers tend to cut stuff. And I'm always like adding and adding because I don't build it up enough in the first draft because I just want to get it down and kind of get it done. Yeah, that's me but, too. <laughs> um, yeah. I think for me, I've realized I revise best by rewriting, actually. So, like, I'll um, I'll write the first draft. I'll write, like, a synopsis of where I want the book to actually be rather than what it is in the first draft. And then, like, take anything that's salvageable from the first draft and kind of piece it together and fill in the spaces in between by rewriting. And sometimes I'll rewrite scenes I've already written in the first draft just to see if I can make them sound better. Mm-hmm. For me... For first drafts, my I always start with an like an opening line. Like that's what usually comes into my head first. It's not like character or setting. It's like the first line of the book, and that's kind of what I build on from there. And then I get that first line, and I can write it down and make sure I have it. And then I sort of craft like a short pitch, almost kind of like a fake query letter in my head. So like I know what the core um, point of the story is and the core plot and everything. And then from there, I first draft I try to sometimes do my first drafts during National Novel Writing Month um mm. during NaNoWriMo so I can just sit and get them done but I'm not that fast I feel like my process will actually change now that I'm not in school because before I was like having to write in between the time I was writing papers and doing homework mm-hmm. so theoretically now that I'm not in school I'll be a faster drafter but Mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll actually be true or not, but um, I get the first draft down and then I let it sit for a couple weeks to a month. So I'm not like thinking about it. And the first draft process for me takes anywhere to like one to maybe three months, I think is usually what I shoot for. And then after that, um, I'll export it to my, I use Scrivener to oh, write. I, like, I love it. I love the organization and everything. And then I'll actually export it to my e-reader so I can read it like it's an actual book and I'll take notes on my e-reader and then revise from there. And then my, my friend Katie Locke um, actually has this really great revision process that I sort of bogarted um, where she writes like all the things she needs to revise in sticky notes and sets them on like a giant sheet of poster board. And then just you tear them off as you get them done, which is really great for me because it's a really great physical way to see like mm-hmm. how far I've made it in the revision process. So I tend to do that after I read through that first draft. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
cool. It's satisfying too. Like, ha, ha, gotta so do it. satisfying. <laughs> nice. I was kind of curious because um, Anya was talking about you also run um, Queer Girl Cafe, right? Which is a mm-hmm. Tumblr blog. I do. Yeah. So could, ah. um, I was just wondering if you could talk about that for a little bit and kind of like what went into making that and just kind of. So we've had a lot of conversation on Twitter and like the YA lit community about queer representation and the lack of it mm-hmm. and such. Um, and one of the things I've always talked about is we kind of, I feel like we give queer girls the short end of the stick when it comes to queer YA rap play. There's a lot, especially in contemporary literature, there's a lot of um, books for queer boys. Most of it would be like David Levithan. We have David Levithan who yeah. has a book out like, every year, every other year, a lot. He has a lot of books out. So, um, but we don't really have anyone like that for queer girls. We had Julie Ann Peters, but I think she's retired from publishing. And we have Robin Talley now who keeps pu- putting out really great contemporary queer girl by A, but we still proportionately have a lot more queer male voices than queer female voices. Um, and so I wanted to kind of have this space where queer girls could read each other's stories and kind of share and queer women like an adults could share their own stories as well as a sort of like a guidance thing. And Tumblr seems to be the best format for that because it allows Mm -hmm. the people to reblog the posts if they want to. And there's a pretty big queer community on Tumblr already. Mm -hmm. So I thought it worked out a lot better. I'm excited with how it's going. What are some books or movies or TV shows or music that have inspired you to create? Ooh, this is a fun question. Okay, so I, um, as far as TV shows go, I really like The X-Files. Um, I like that kind of mix of sci-fi and also, like, realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of, the kind of spooky mm-hmm. haunted atmosphere. I just really like The X-Files. Um, I think, too, uh, that's actually what I've kind of been interested in lately is I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, too, like Lore and Tannis and The Black Tapes, um, and all of them have this sort of really macabre, creepy vibe that's still grounded in either American history or American folklore. So I think that's probably going to inspire something I write next because I'm not – I like sci-fi, but for me, I don't tend to write things that aren't already grounded in reality or grounded in, like, contemporary fiction. So writing something contemporary with that almost, not scientific twist, but that kind of um, atmosphere. It's like a unusual. Yeah, like, um, there's this show on Netflix called Black Mirror, kind of like that, too, but not nearly that creepy. It's also, it's like five minutes in the future, technology is ruining our lives, sci-fi, kind of. It's really creepy, so make sure you're in a good headspace before you watch it, because oh, it I love is stuff. unsettling. I do not love creepy stuff, but Katie does, so yeah. I adore creepy stuff. Katie, please watch it, and then give me, like, all your feelings about okay. it. Black Mirror? Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Black Mirror. I think the world is creepy enough without creepy. Yeah. <laughs> the world sucks. I need something happy. Well, um, then what, are, what are your favorite creepy podcasts, then? Oh, um, I'm into lore. I really like Welcome to Night Vale. Oh, yes. I love it. It's so good. They have a new one. Um, Alice Isn't Dead is yeah, also... It's on my list. Ah, it's so good. I need um, to start that one. I'm obsessed with Tannis. Like, I like the Black Tapes, which is done by the same company, Pacific Northwest Stories. But I'm obsessed with Tannis. Just like the, 
the whole conspiracy theory about what exactly Tannis is and the myth of it. And a lot of the podcast is grounded in history, even though it's still fictional. So that mix of like, could this almost be real is really fascinating. That sounds cool. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really great. And there's this one that just came out called the bright sessions, which is about a, like it's a psychologist interviewing her patients, except her patient patients all have supernatural abilities. Mm -hmm. So like she, in the first episode, she is interviewing one girl who's a time traveler. Oh. So, but it's set up like a therapy session. So it's oh, really neat. Cool. Mm -hmm. I guess this is maybe kind of a tricky question because you just graduated mm -hmm. uh, from school. But mm -hmm. how do you tr try to balance like your uh, writing passion mm -hmm. and making enough money to live or like how do you see yourself in the future trying to do that like I guess ideally you'd be writing for money um, right right um actually so right now I'm kind of right I'm unpublished and mm -hmm. I'm actually on submission so we're my agent is sending my book out to publishers which is very exciting and very nerve-wracking <laughs> at the same time especially because yeah. submission is like fight club and no one ever talks about being <laughs> on submission but <laughs> So because I'm not making money from writing right now and because I am currently recently graduated and unemployed, I am trying to find a job that will let me pay the bills and continue to write without a having to rely on my parents or be, be so incredibly soul crushing that I don't feel creative or I feel like so drained when I come home I can't write. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking for temp work actually. I've um, – I'm really good at office and administrative stuff, so I've been trying to find something kind of in that area that's kind of low-key, but I can still earn a livable paycheck yeah. from. Mm -hmm. I actually, I applied for the Apple Store, so fingers crossed I would actually really like to work at the Apple Store. Um, but I think for me, it's trying to, especially when I get a full-time job, it's working around kind of that schedule because that and I, I did this with school too because like school was a mandatory schedule like I had to go to classes at certain times of day mm -hmm. so it was with school because I had freedom to schedule when my classes were it was um kind of figuring out when to schedule my classes and also still get writing time in so um I am trying to be more of a morning person and wake up and actually write in the mornings because that's when I feel most productive that's Mm -hmm. not going as well as I wanted it to the struggle oh, yeah. is real I've been trying to do that too and I, know. Like... I desire nothing more than to be a morning person I would I love know. to wake up at 5am and just like have coffee and face the world right like I'm struggling to get up at 9 y'all it's <sighs> bad me too see my problem is is I really like nighttime. like I just like the feeling of night and but I don't want to stay up to like 2 a.m. I just want to stay. I don't know because I but I yeah. really like night. But then I also really like morning. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's like get six hours of sleep or just choose one. You know, so. yeah. nap in between in the day sometimes. Yeah, I hate oh, I hate the afternoon. Afternoon. So I, I need to just accept my sleep schedule and <laughs> and um, stay up late and then wake up early and nap during the day. Because yeah. I'm with you, I hate the afternoon. Like, it's yeah. like this dead space, and there's nothing to do. At, like, two to four yeah. times. Yeah. Oh, that's slow. I guess if 
any of us worked normal jobs, we would be working at that time. I mean, but... yeah. I, mean I usually, yeah. I tend to work during that time, but it's also really bad at work because I work with kids and that's like the nap, nap time. time hour. And so kids oh, will just get yeah. like really grumpy and like, we'll just start crying yeah. and cause they need naps, but they don't want to yep. take naps. I guess so. we just all have to move to South America where they have the siesta in the middle of the day. I like that. Uh, but then they do stay up to like 6 a.m. Like that's Yeah, I their, can't do that. Yeah, I, no. I would die. So, I guess maybe if I napped in the middle of the day consistently every day, I could do that, but probably not. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so it, I, for me, I you said like trying to find that balance too. Yeah. I um, started bullet journaling as well. Oh, I'm like <laughs> I'm restarting my bullet journal what's right a, now. What's bullet journaling? Uh, do you explain this? Do you want to I'm explain? I'm not good at explaining things. I'm but you both are holding books now. <laughs> Where, are you just keeping these at the side, hoping someone would ask? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, both just pulled a book out of nowhere. Well, I'm starting my new one right now, so. What is a bullet journal? Okay, so you, um, it's kind of like your own version of a planner, I guess. There's a... There's a website that explains this a lot better than I'm going to explain it, but whatever. Um, so for me, like I write, you write the month and then you're not going to be able to see this and no one is on this podcast, but whatever. Um, so like you write the month and then the days of the week and that's, and the date and that's like your monthly schedule. So I'm volunteering to interpret at a preschool this summer. So all the days I'm interpreting are on the schedule and then you have a daily schedule where let me find one of my prettier ones yeah some uh, people make them really artsy right it's crazy. all the ones you see on tumblr are like beautiful and i don't have the time or the patience to I do that i should look into that because my time management is just a mess you should right it's now. it's really addictive so then you can make like your daily schedule um and then write down the things that you need to get done that day um and you can do it the night before or that morning so it's immediately like fresh in your head and then you just mm -hmm. Cross them off as you go. Basically. You have to buy like a special book, or you just I um I splurged because I'm a nerd. I got a dot grid journal from Leuchtturm, which is a German company. Because the dot, yeah. Because but I like the dot grid because I can write on it like it's lined, but also like just like, draw little things yeah. in it, whatever. Yeah, and it gives you more freedom to like put the lines where you want them. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if you want to just get, like, a grid or even, like, a line journal, you can kind of just make it whatever you want it to be. Like, I've got a list in here of, like, all the books I'm currently reading or the video games I'm currently playing just so I can kind of keep track of everything. Yeah, and you have, like, an index, too. I don't know. Not everyone uses the index, but you have an index where you can, like, write down. So if you wrote down, like, travel wish list, like, you can put, like, where where it is, like, what page mm. it's on. Yeah. Twice. That sounds uh, good. I, I need something like that. This one came with an index, oh, nice. and pages were already numbered, so that was nice. It's great. Yeah. But it's basically just like an organized journal, like mm -hmm. not as strict as a, well, like, because, you know, if you get those, like, uh, daily planners or whatever, it's not set up necessarily how you want to use it. So, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just like that it's uh, customizable. and Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. check it out. Yes. Should, bullet journal should sponsor this podcast <laughs> check out sure. bulletjournal.com um oh wait it's an actual uh, site yeah. yeah 
I have like a video that shows you how to do it. I know what I'm doing after we finish recording this podcast. Yeah. Like it it looks really complicated when the first time you watch that video, you're like, what is happening? But it's, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not so bad. And write it's really down on my list of things. Yay. It's addictive. It's really addictive. I need to start using mine more. But it's nice to see like what you're doing and I don't know. Yeah, I so, think the monthly overview is my favorite because I forget very quickly what things I have going on in any given week. So being able to immediately like open and look at, oh, I have this on this day. Mm-hmm. That's that's today's <laughs> lesson. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so then moving along, what kind of challenges do you think that creators or artists today face or like what kind of challenges are you in, do you in particular care about? Um, in, the, in general, I care about getting paid for my work. <laughs> there's, I, think, I mean, well, there's a lot of that too. It's like, especially with new sites or blogs who ask, people to write for them and then don't pay them like it's showing that you don't it it, it feels like a devaluing of the work Mm -hmm. because writing isn't seen as a true profession even though you wouldn't like I've seen this analogy you wouldn't ask a brain surgeon to do like a surgery for free kind of so Mm -hmm. um and that goes for other creative types too I think because I I, for me right now like I've I say, you know, we need to pay writers, but I actually can't afford to pay people on Critical Cafe yeah. right now. But Well, you're not a huge company, so... I'm not, yo, and I'm, not, I'm up front about that going in. Like, I can't pay you. If that, and, like, if that affects someone's decision to post to Critical Cafe, like, that, I understand that. Like, I completely mm-hmm. understand the need to get paid, especially for marginalized writers who are often pushed out of the conversation to yeah. begin with. So, um... That's one thing I care about, um, you know, especially like, again, with writing, unlike either, I guess, painting or playing a musical instrument, which are seen as things that take a lot of time or years to master. Like people see writing as something anyone can do mm-hmm. and it, writing. It's not the case, especially writing well, like and writing for profit and writing to be published. Like there's a lot of work and there's a lot like publishing is still it's a business. It's not just creative and people forget that there tends to be a business side to it as well Mm -hmm. so because it's work it is work like I can't tell you how many hours I spent trying to fix the current book I'm working on if I were getting paid for those that'd be awesome shall we move on to the fun questions (laughs) yeah so we recently decided to start making our guests make up a theme song on the spot without telling them so would you like to make a theme song for the fun questions the only thing I can think of is the Mario theme for some reason. Do it. Do, 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 do. Fun questions. Fun questions. <laughs> fun questions. Fun questions. Fun questions. There we go. All right. Sweet. Great. We nailed it. So if you could have tea with any fictional character, who would it be? So did you ever read from the mixed up files of Miss Basil E. Frankweiler? I saw the movie several times. I I've not heard of that thing. Okay, it's a children's book. It's pretty but weird. I, it's weird, but I read it when I was a kid, and I think I actually would like to have tea with Miss Basil E. Frankweiler because she was just this, like, eccentric old lady who I, if I remember the book correctly, like, created mysteries for this children who were running away and hiding in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So she seems like she'd be cool to get tea with, at least. 
She has a lot of stories. Um, for maybe a less obscure reference, um, Jane from Jane Eyre. I like her. She's cool. She's independent and strong, even though I still don't think Rochester was a good choice. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Next fun time question. Fun time. Fun time. What is your favorite summertime activity? I know we all just like ranted earlier about how we don't <laughs> like summer. Just staying indoors count. Yeah. What makes you hate summer the least? <laughs> um, I feel like I'm a North Carolinian. I have to say this. I really like going to the beach. I, know, I have a lot of fun memories, like growing up as a kid and going to the beach with my parents and stuff. So, And at least at the beach, summer is slightly tolerable. Yes. You always have to run across the sand, the hot sand. Yeah. What's that quote from Star Wars? I hate sand. It's like rough and it gets everywhere. What? Or something. <laughs> You know Anakin in, I don't know which one, I think it's the second one. Oh, yeah! Anakin. Oh, Anakin. Sand. I'm looking at it. You hear sand. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. He's so (laughs) angsty. In Minnesota, it's it's the cabin. Everyone has a cabin in the north that they go to. Is that, like, a weird thing? I... It wasn't really a thing where I grew up in South Dakota. Going to the cabin every weekend. Yeah, it's just like everyone's like, I got a cabin. It's just like, where do you get this cat? Like, how do you have a cabin? So you go to the lake and you go tubing and you eat jello salad and. Jello salad? Yeah, you know, like jello with like strawberries and and cool whip and pretzels. You're you're giving us a look here. We have potato salad, but and slaw, which is gross. What? Oh, I cool slaw. Our slaw is mayonnaise based in North Carolina, okay. which is I not mean, good. I don't know. I feel like southern food's good. You got like barbecue and coleslaw and potato salad. Like that sounds delicious right now. <laughs> yes. Okay. Barbecue. Barbecue is amazing. Don't get me started on barbecue. I have a lot of very strong opinions about barbecue. Wait, I want okay. to hear your strong opinions. Yeah. Random fun okay. question. What is your Favorite best southern food? Um, it's a close tie between fried chicken and barbecue. Um, and anything with sweet potatoes. Mm. Uh, okay, so in mm. North Carolina, <laughs> barbecue rant, there are two different types of barbecue. In the western part of the state, there is ketchup-based barbecue sauce, which is like a sweeter, like, your typical barbecue sauce that you think of, mm-hmm. I guess. And North and Eastern North Carolina sauce, which is where my entire family is from, is vinegar based. Mm-hmm. So it's like vinegar, a little bit of ketchup, um, crushed red pepper. I'm probably forgetting an ingredient, but um, so we're very adamant about which barbecue sauce is the better one. Obviously, it's the vinegar based mm-hmm. one. Is this like a rivalry? Uh, in yes. It? I have a t-shirt. I should have worn it. It's got the state on it, and it's got the western half and the eastern half divided, and one half says vinegar, and one half says tomato. We're very serious about our um, barbecue. I had someone from South Carolina um, make what was, I guess, authentic South Carolinian. I think I was there. Oh, yeah, you were there. It was like a mustard. It was 4th of July or something. It was yeah, like mustard. mustard. No, this is wrong. <laughs> okay, well, but I don't know if that's... My parents... Well, actually, I was born in South Carolina because my parents lived there for a while. And I think I think they talked about the vinegar kind yeah. being popular there, but I don't know. 
It's yeah. popular, I think, in some parts of South Carolina, and our South Carolina also does a mustard base, which I've, I've I will try. I've never tried it, yeah. but it was good. I don't know. I like. I, it. I, I, I'm I, not picky. I guess I'm not picky about like. I will literally eat anything sauce, that is an so. eggnog. So. Oh, are you into Harry Potter? Yes. Okay. Uh, Hogwarts house. Do you know what your Hogwarts house is? I technically call myself a Ravenpuff. I'm mostly Ravenclaw, but I have a lot of Hufflepuff tendencies. So. <laughs> I don't know. I've kind of been thinking about it in terms of common rooms. Like, where would I feel the most comfortable? Like, I don't want to be in a high tower because I'm mm-hmm. afraid of heights. So, like, I couldn't really be in Ravenclaw. And I don't want to be in a dungeon because I don't like when it's super dark and damp. And, like, I would be there. afraid of, because they have that window that looks underneath the lake. Like, what if that yeah. broke? OTP! What's your OTP? Oh, let's talk about oh my OTP. Oh, uh. <laughs> I just like to yell that out sometimes. Yeah, and you just like shouting random letters. Okay, so I have two. Um, my straight couple OTP is Mulder and Scully from the X Files because I'm very typical, and my non-canon but should still have totally been canon OTP is um, H. G. Wells and Micah from Warehouse Thirteen. I'm Which is a, it's a sci-fi show. Yeah, I, uh, I heard of it, but I never watched it. Okay, Micah's this, like, badass librarian, and H.J. Wells is actually a time-traveling British lady. So, and they totally had chemistry and totally should have gotten together, but they didn't, and I'm forever Ooh. mad about it. Ooh, so, it was a lot of subtext. Like, yeah. I think they actually did get together, but they never addressed it on the show. So, whatever. But yeah, actual true OTP Mulder and Scully. Or Anastasia and Dimitri from Anastasia, because oh, yeah. the band. Yeah. I actually recently rewatched that, and I was like, this is an excellent movie. Like, why? It is. Why does no one watch this anymore? Do you guys watch Avatar? I adore Avatar Last Airbender. Nice. Okay, because I really have another OTP from that. What is it? It's Zuko and Katara. Uh... <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to... The continuing story? Yeah. Sure. So here's where we left off last time in the continuing story. I admire your spontaneity, the cat replied with a sage smirk, but the fact that you believe yourself so immediately ready to fight proves how much you must learn before we can begin. All right, Nita, would you read us your new edition? What must I learn, Stephanie asked. The cat sighed. Patience, for one, and how to be one with the harmony of the universe. Go collect a stone for me from the last corner of the world. I don't know where that is, Stephanie said. You will know when you get there, the cat replied. (laughs) I like it. Uh, I like the direction this is going. I'm very excited about this story. Where can we find you on the internet? (laughs) Well, um, you can find me on Twitter at at... Nita Tyndall, that's N-I-T-A-T-Y-N-D-A-L-L. There are two L's. Um, If you want to check out Queer Girl Cafe, that's queergirlcafe.tumblr.com. And that updates every Monday, usually. And those are the main two places. Um, I'm on Tumblr at nitatyndall.tumblr.com. But I don't update that as frequently. Follow Nita on Twitter. She tweets about awesome and important things. It's fun having you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Thanks again to Nita for joining us, and thank you for listening. 
Follow us on Twitter at Creativity Time and on Tumblr at creativitytime.tumblr.com. You can also find the continuing story on Tumblr. Until next time, happy tea drinking! Clink! You can you can put on Come layers, on but there's only so many things you can take off before you exactly. get arrested for indecent exposure. <laughs>